Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, writer, poet, and playwright. This will be episode number 85. It's the last in the Illuminated Path series, segment three, Ingredients to Make a Writer. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, uh, if not controversy, a, a, a lot of uh, competing visions or, or various plans or just different opinions on what are those ingredients to, to make a writer. Everyone seems to have a different set of, of rules or a different uh, notion about what completes the person that helps them make a writer. Here's here's mine, okay? So when I'm saying this, I'm I'm saying this this is this is Mark's idea of what completes a writer, what really the main ingredients that, that helps a person become a writer. Does it mean it's all of them? Probably not. And and who knows if even I'm correct. Because uh, the, the first thing I have to do when I'm telling you this is, you know, I have to apply this to myself. So that's really how you start off anything of this nature is these are the things that help me become a writer. So at least I have a, one example. But you're going to find that what I'm saying is not out there, you know, in the mysteries of the cosmos or something, okay? A lot of it makes practical sense. And you'll, you'll be able to at least see where I'm coming from on this. You don't have to agree. But I can tell you one thing. These elements, regardless of whether you agree or not, they are pretty much essential on, on making a writer. It's just a question of whether... There's more to it than that. That's fine. There's always going to be that X factor, like they say on those competition shows. And, and it's for writing, too. There's always going to be that, right? But for the most part, these are these are it. And I'll give you the three main ones here that I find to be the very most important things that, that if you don't have any of these threes or if you're missing one of these threes, you're going to have a lot of problems, okay? All right, so the first one is going to be organization. Now... What I'm telling you about organization is simply this, okay? I don't care if you just started writing yesterday, you've been doing it 10 years, you think you're super talented, you don't think you're talented, uh, you, you, you write in the, in the classroom, you write in the luxury of your house when no one's around, you write in the bathroom, you write on the plane, you write in the, you know, an in incense in a Buddhist temple, whatever, okay? In the end, meaning at at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, whatever you're doing, you have to have some sort of organization. You have to because it's not really like you're writing 24 hours a day and so, you know, you're carrying it with you and everything's great. No, we all have other lives besides writing. Most of us have a full-time job or, or doing a teaching gig or becoming a student and doing that full-time. Some of us staying home as, as parents. Others, uh, uh, you know, you got your single moms and your single dads. So there's a lot of other stuff going on. So without any sense of organization, you're just not going to make it because you need to be able to put um, your ideas, your notes, uh, and, of course, setting aside time, which we'll talk about as a segment of the uh, organization you know, motif itself. That has to all get done because where are you going to go back to you know, when you're able to go back to it? You know, I don't remember where I put those great pages of notes at, so let me start over again. It doesn't work that way. Those things don't stay in your head that long. Maybe an idea might stay around for a while, but what you got from that idea when you sat down, that's what you need to be able to have on a computer or paper somewhere. So we'll talk about that. It doesn't really matter how you're going about the organization. Just have organization, all right? It could all be just in the notes on your smartphone. Yeah, I got it under notes... Uh, you know, um, from Tuesday. Fine. That's great. That's a good minimum start. There's nothing wrong with that. But at least you have that. That's organization right there. Okay? Hey, I, I wrote about six or seven different like ideas and papers. 
on, on some pages and stuff, and I, I threw them a little file over my desk, and I know I can go back to that later. There you go. Another good example, organization. That's, that's how you want to go about things, okay? Writing a couple of notes on a piece of paper, throw them in your pocket, and hope the hell they're going to still be there at the end of the day, not a good idea for organization, okay? Unless you can fold them up and stick them in your wallet where you think they're going to be safe or your purse or your, your pocketbook or whatever, then hang. That's not a good idea because you're gonna those things are gonna fly out when you think, take things out of your pocket. You take your purse out of your pocket or your wallet out of your pocket or your keys or your phone or your glasses or whatever, and then it flies off somewhere. You don't know where it is, and next thing you know, some cool ideas are gone, and you're never gonna find them again. All right. So, organization is not just writing down stuff and putting it someplace. You gotta have some place that's gonna generally safe. Okay. You can't be a stay-at-home mom, you know, leave it on the kitchen table, and then you go in the middle of cleaning and taking care of the kids and like that. What happened to it? I don't know. It could be in a landfill. That's probably what happened to it, all right? So you got to put it someplace. I don't care if you stuff it in the, in the same drawer you put the knives and forks in. At least it's someplace you know where it's at. That's what you have to do. So organization is just not about the act of writing something down someplace. It's also about making sure that where you're storing it is, is safe. So that you know where it's at and you can come back to it and you can continue on. Because it's from organization that how you build things to become a, a writing piece that later on you might be able to feel comfortable about and then go out there and submit it to the world. Okay? Consider it, you know, if you're somebody in construction or something, consider it like a foundation. You're not building that house <laughs> until you're building the foundation. And of course, you want to make sure that that foundation is on someplace stable. It's not in the middle of a swamp. It's not in quicksand or something. All right. So that's what and that, that's what means saving it and, and storing it someplace safe. It's the same thing. You're building the foundation. You're making sure it's on level, you know, solid land. And then you can kind of go from there on, on building the house. Because if you don't have those issues already squared away, you're not going to have a house. Or you're going to have a house that's going to be slanted in about three months or something. They'll fall apart. I mean, that, that's really what could happen. So it's the same thing. Okay, and there's nothing more. And if you haven't learned this already, you will. There's nothing more utterly artistically frustrating. That's right. I made that whole phrase up. Uh, than to write something that you know in the back of your mind. Damn, this is some good stuff. I think I could really build on this later. And then you don't know where the hell you put it at. I, it's happened to me a couple times in the past. So I know all about how to break this this rule and, and how, how it screws with you. And then. And I don't care if you remember the general notion of it, you're never going to get the same stuff down again. You're always going to look at that thing in the future if it wound up becoming a piece and say, what better it could have been if I just didn't lose the other damn notes? It sucks because you, you won't remember, you won't like forget that for like a thousand years, you know? I, I, I've updated women, I've forgotten their names faster than than the notes from, from, from writing. It's like, oh man, that's how painful that can be. On an artistic level. So just don't do it. Okay. Because you won't be very happy with that. And and, in, and you're right. In the back of your mind. You're right. You're, you're mournful about it. Yeah you're right. It's never going to be as good as it could have been. Because that first initial. Whatever you put down. Was probably the best. That's normally how it is. Now don't get me wrong. When you rewrite something later on. Things improve with writing. Okay. But. Remember, you're re re rewriting something that wasn't as good in the beginning. You're probably not going to make it any much better. So that's the problem with losing that initial stuff. You don't want to do that. So organization, a big key on the first steps on the ingredients to, to make a writer. You have to have some organization. I don't care about all this Hollywood movies and all these stupid stories about, yeah, he left stuff all over the place and he just had a great memory and this and that. Please, folks, huh? All right, sculptors have great memories. Uh, guess what? Painters on a canvas, they have great memory too, okay? Because that's the nature of their of their craft. Writers don't have good memory. We remember things and, and vague concepts, okay? We don't remember things that precisely. Every so often we might be fascinated with a certain word that we just think could really go somewhere, but we're not sure yet. Other than that, that's not the way we actually operate as, as writers. Most don't, Okay? And for every writer you, you find out that they claim that they have incredible memory, okay? 
there's 10,000 after them that don't. So guess what? The great majority of all of us writers, including myself, uh, we suck at memory. So notes and storing them someplace safe and following up and doing all that stuff, well, guess what? It's essential as being a writer because you can't memorize that kind of stuff. We just don't really work that way. That's not how writing generally works. It often, it often works on catching a moment and getting that down because we know that moment's going to be fleeting. Okay, I mean, think about writing as as a lot like love. Okay, you remember when you were first in love, and do you remember it all when it when it just vanished one day? Okay, I don't mean that in some some grim, cryptic, uh, horrible way. I'm just talking about facts of life. Okay, we remember that wonderful person and that love, and then we also remember when it, it you know it evens out and fades away. And then if you're still with that person, that's when the real work comes, and that's when the real life starts. Because love isn't real life. Love is just that little illusion we have for a little while. And then we got to go back to the real life, you know. Then suddenly the, you know, the toothbrush in the wrong angle in the bathroom is a problem. And, uh, and uh, you know, you're forgetting to, uh, you know, hit the, hit the garbage when you, when you throw your, your booger rag at it or something. That suddenly that, that's an argument. Or, you know, you, you parked your car, you know, four degrees less than it should have been or something. I mean, that's, that's what real life gets to, Okay. And that's how you know love is faded, because when you start noticing those things, you you got in your real eyes again. And writing is the very the same way, okay? You don't really have that same kind of trigger memory. It, it's very fleeting. When it comes, we want to jump onto it, grab it, at least get it down, so we can work on it later. That's how we preserve those sort of things. That's why notes and organization, and of course, you know what we'll talk about here shortly, rewriting, is is truly essential because. Without any of that, those things that are coming to us, they're, they're going to be gone. We don't know if they ever come back again. I can't really tell because we don't really have that kind of great memory for that sort of thing. How do we know if something came back to us three years later? We don't know. It's kind of mysterious that way. It really is. But as much as it's mysterious, it could be incredibly frustrating if we're just not really on the ball. So that's one of the reasons why, because I don't always carry a pen anymore these days. You know, I'm tired of getting stabbed with them, and they break, and the next thing you know, my whole pants is just shot. You know, imagine spending $100 on a pair of pants, and then the ink just destroyed it. It's not coming out in any dry cleaners or any washer. Your pants are gone. So, I can't I can't be doing that. It's nothing with a family. I can't go around buying 10 pants every other day because, uh, you know, and that's why I was having problems in the past with pens. They would break. I was carrying around so many of them, and it's just... You know, I don't like putting my, my pocket in my shirt because it looks geeky, you know. And I'm not that much of a self-conscious kind of guy. And I'm certainly a pretty average-looking fellow, so I'm not trying to impress anybody. But, you know, I, I don't like the pen in the, in the pocket. It just, it just not, to me, it's not a very comfortable thing. So over time, I evolved into simply putting the notes on the, on the, on the phone. I found out that that was also a really great storage method, that I never had problems with it being lost. And God forbid if it ever got raced, it's still in the area of delete where you can go back and, and, and bring it back to the to the forefront again. Because it takes 30 days for it to erase. Unless you purposely just go further and delete it forever, you still had protection even from your own stupidness. So I found the phone and its notes to be incredibly helpful. Now, I still do things on paper. Ironically, if I'm writing at the house... Versus someplace else, I'm always, always at the desk doing something on a pen and a paper. It's probably the only time ever that I use a pen and paper. Otherwise, if I'm on the road or if I'm at work or I'm at lunch or something like that, I'm outside of the house, I'm just going to use a phone. I'm never going to use anything else. So it's always a combination of those things. But definitely keep that in mind, okay? Thoughts come. You need to note them. You need to store them someplace safely. Go back to them some other time. As long as you've captured that, you've captured something that you might be able to use down the line. If you haven't even captured that at all, you don't have organization. And if you don't have organization, again, you're not having a foundation. You're not building any house. Okay? You can't start talking about how lovely the roof is going to be with a cool super antenna to the stars and and your foundation sucks. That's not going to work. Okay? It doesn't work for builders. It's not going to work for you because as a writer, well, writer is just another nice word for, for builder. That's what you are. You're going to be building a piece of writing, a poem, an essay, a play, whatever. 
and you've got to start from the scratch that's what you do okay all right now the next thing here is number two of the list first was organization number two is work ethic unfortunately this is probably the most uh, tedious uh, aspect of, of, of writing that I come across with people. I don't have a problem with it because it's essential to everything we're going to be talking about. But unfortunately, I live in a day and age more and more where folks out here just think things are going to come by magical elves or that some check's going to come in the mail, you know, artistically speaking. You know, they don't have to work hard for it. It's just going to come, you know. My uncle said that my third cousin on my father's side uh, just wrote a letter to the publisher and they said, yeah, we like that idea and we're willing to wait six months for you to write the book and then we're going to take that book and then we're going to publish it and you're going to do well, okay? Yeah. I'm thinking this person was a science fiction writer who said this story because everything about it would be science fiction, okay? Work ethic, folks. Incredibly important, Okay. In many ways, probably even more important than organization. Even though organization, I, I think, is first and in, in, in its primary. If you don't have that, you're going to have some great problems. But in the end, even if you lack some organizational skills, even if you're willing to miss some stuff out or lose out on stuff, if you have work ethic, you're still going to be able to complete things. You just might not be as prolific as you like. You might miss out some stuff. You might be uh, making yourself angry at times. But hey. You'll get the thing done. Now, what is work ethic where it concerns writing? It's really simple, okay? It's about getting in there and starting putting things together from those notes, from the organization. It's that next step. Now, it doesn't mean that whenever you're done, I don't care if it was 10 minutes and you put into it or two hours and you put into it, it doesn't really necessarily mean you're done. It just means you're starting to put things together. You're starting to formulate some ideas. You're starting to think of a shape or a direction that this thing may go. Okay? And there's a couple of, of segments inside work ethic. And one of them, of course, would be just to do the work itself from those notes to start to shape it. You know, the next thing would be, of course, to put it to the side and work on some other things. And then, of course, the third aspect of it really is the rewrite, which to me is critical of all of work ethic if you're not rewriting something you're not really writing you just you just typing and, and you're rushing and you're being impatient and you're gonna put some stuff out there that's barely a first draft and you're wondering why it's getting rejected did you know and everybody who's listened to this show knows that i can be pretty critical of a lot of publications and a lot of editors out there because we can't tell how honest they are about anything because they give you a soulless form letter or they keep charging fees and the money doesn't seem to add up. And it's not like they're giving us a, an accountability of what they're doing with any of this. Or just the same crier, though. We're busy and we need this and we're unsubmittable and we have to pay for that and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you look at submittable fees, it's not hard to do, folks. And that's they're not a secret. You look at the money these people bring on the average month, please, huh? They're doing just fine. So it doesn't really ring true. All right? Rewriting it, though. Is, is critical to any kind of project at all that you're doing. And this is where lots of writers fail because even after all those things I told you about what you have to face out there, you still have to face the fact that it doesn't matter if the magazines are taking in too much money and they're not being straight with us. It really doesn't even matter if they're giving you a soulless form letter, okay? And that stuff's all happening, by the way, okay? And, and I'm not saying this stuff is fair for you or it helps you because it doesn't. But, you know, it doesn't help you more than anything else is sending somebody some half-assed first draft that's barely a first draft. And then wondering why they're not happy with it. Why you're not getting picked up all these different places. Because you're not putting in the, the, the time, the, the work ethic that's necessary to get this thing where it's supposed to be at. Okay? You can't put together something for an hour after you put some notes from last week and somehow you got something that's ready to be published someplace. I mean, there'll be rare occasions, don't get me wrong. Remember, I, I, I agree that you're going to have those those strokes of luck sometimes and those strokes of uh, of, of brilliance and, and clarity. Yeah, you're going to have those every so often, but more times than not, you're not. 99 cents of your work is all about writing and rewriting. That's what it's about. Reevaluating, taking the time to do so. And I find too many people have stuff out there. You know, as an editor, I see it all now, okay? I, lots of times the stuff I have to return back 
either the content is simply inappropriate for my publication. And I don't mean that on the artistic level. I mean, it's just, it's just idiotically inappropriate. You know, 17 people having sex with four animals and two objects and, and an astrological board. I mean, this isn't going to work for me, okay? But more times than not, I got I to gotta return people material because it's not fully formatted. And I don't mean the format electronically. I mean the format as you could just tell from reading it. Yeah, here we go. This is going great. Oh, oh yeah. You could just see how uneven it is, how imbalanced it is, how they were on a they were on a roll and then they just gave up. Hey, let me just write this up. Let me go send it out. A rush job, impatient. You know, this isn't gonna do it for you. Give yourself a bad name. You know, and more importantly than that. When you have writers out there, and, and I mean this beyond the clinical definition of depression. I mean, when you just have writers out there, they get depressed because they're getting all these rejections. Folks, you need to be looking at yourself, okay? And you need to be looking at your writing and saying, did I spend enough time on this? Is this really, you know, what it should have been? Did I really put the effort into it? I mean, is it a third or a fourth draft? Something at least that makes some sense. I mean, I'm not giving you a perfect formula here, folks, because there isn't any. I'm not telling you that, yeah, after the fourth draft, you could submit it and you should be okay. There, there isn't anything like that, okay? But you have to think of some common sense and some logic, too. It still applies to, to work ethic and writing, okay? The good chance that the first draft is going to be crap. It's just not going to be where it's supposed to be at. And, of course, you know, mathematically speaking, if you're working on something on a regular basis, you know, the third or fourth draft, yeah, you have a better chance it's closer to where you're supposed to be at. Is it everything it's supposed to be? Hell if I know. I might have a better idea if you send it to me, but I'm just speaking plainly about what makes sense. The first draft should not go out. I, I think you have every right to say you know, after three or four times that, you know, I, I think I'm going to give this a shot and see what I got. I, I think at least that's a fair way of looking at things. If you spent some time on it, I don't mean the fourth draft is, you know, you put in a couple of punctuation points and you change one word. I mean, that that's not a fourth draft, okay? That, that's just trying everybody's patience, including mine. That's all you're doing. You have to have patience because if you don't have patience, you're going to try the patience of editors. Many who are not exactly on your side to begin with. Many who have no problem saying no. Why give them any more reasons? And this is where work ethic comes in. Because first, it's necessary to get your craft where it's supposed to be at. To get that, per that piece of writing in, in the best shape possible. Okay, You can't go into a ring with somebody in perfect shape. All right, and, and, and you're flabbing all over the place over there because, you know, you haven't put down the donuts yet and you think you're going to hit the gym, you know, like once a week or something. You're going to get knocked out and, and you deserve it because you're not putting in the time. You're not having the work ethic that's necessary. It's just like a boxer out there, okay? Many boxers, if you know anything about boxing, you watch any boxing matches, many of them that lose the fight, they're not losing the fight because they suck. They're not losing the fight because they're not tough. They're not losing the fight because the other guy was able to really, really hurt them and they had to give up the fight. You'll find out lots of times fighters lose the fight by points. And the reason why they lose the point by points in the end, when the judges rule against them and the other fighter wins, it's because they didn't have enough of the conditioning. They didn't do enough punches. Every one of those punches, they count as points. Every time you hit the guy and he staggers, that's points. Every time you knock the guy down, that, that's points. So that sometimes a fight, there's nothing super duper decisive going on. So it has to go to those points. And the guy that has the best, and, and the girl too, because you know girls are doing these fightings now too. So the boxer that has the most points in the end, they're going to win the fight. I'm sorry, that doesn't sound very Hollywood and doesn't sound very sexy. Damn, man, did you crush this dude? Damn, did you knock the hell out of that girl? Uh, no, man, but I won by a point and a half. Doesn't exactly sound like something you want to bring to the bar. Yeah, I won that fight by a point and a half. I mean, 
Think about it, folks. There's victory, and then just like, yeah, I won the fight. <laughs> Guess what? Winning something and victory, they're not really the same thing. Victory is like you crush somebody. You crush the poem. You crush it. You're, eh. And winning is just like, yeah, I did what was necessary. And, you know, I got it in there. Because, you know, you're going to have those times, too, where you get something published and you won't feel like it's a victory. Because later on, you look at it and go, look at that. I could have did that better. Look at that. I said, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. And it's too late for that. It's not like you can contact them. I have another version of that. Most of them don't want to be doing something like that or won't even listen to that. Or not even be offended. What the hell? It means you didn't give me your best work of this version? But version 6 is supposed to be great now? You got to live with that. got to live with that uh, that guilt or, or, or that that hard lesson about spending more time on something versus just being so damn impatient to get it out there. I don't know what you're pleased to know patient about. You, you, more times than not, you're going to get rejected. That's the name of this, if you want to call it game in writing. Rejection, and we have to learn how to handle that. We have to do whatever we can to minimize that. So when I writers ask me all the time, Mark, what can I do, man, to stop being so rejected so much? Because I hear that the most popular of anything anyone ever asked me as a writer, as an editor, as a broadcaster. It's the number one question. If I added all the questions together, this thing is above anybody else. I have the same answer I have. Put the damn work in. Don't be rushing out draft number one and draft number two. If you want to, go send it to a friend to see what they think. Read it out loud to somebody else uh, you know, in a coffee uh, shop or you know, amongst your family or something like that. And just you know, try to give it to somebody that's going to give you the, the, the most honest answer possible. And be ready for that. Mark, that was, uh, that was good, man. But um, I'm, I'm not too excited with line number three. And then what about this word over here in line number four? Is that really the way you want to end it? Blah, 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 blah. Here you go. These are things you need to hear. There's are the things that you can work on. Versus I'm done, man. I'm doing this shit for like two weeks. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm ready to send it out. Do something else. So do not forget. Work ethic. It's really critical. And the word rewrite is necessary because the act of rewrite is necessary, okay? Everybody wants to know, what is writing? You know, and I hear all these different things about what is writing, okay? Uh, I'll give you uh, some examples I've heard. Uh, Writing is the muse talking to you from the deep cosmos, okay? Uh, Writing is a collection of words that we organize in a manner that becomes intelligent and therefore we can get it published. Yeah, I like that one too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me see. Oh, yeah, Uh, writing is... The, the mystic chords of the spiritual forces laying upon our soul. This is some of the things I've heard. I'm, I'm not even just saying this for the fun of it. I've heard these things already, okay? And, and guess what? That sounds all wonderful. But, you know, guess what? You can also go with $5 in Hallmark and get a bunch of crap that sounds nice too. D- does any of it real? Is any of it relevant? Is there anything beyond, you know, yeah, thanks for that card. Or you could just take what I'm saying dead serious, Okay. Writing is rewriting. That's all it is. Writing is rewriting. And if you're not rewriting, in my book, you're not writing. All right? You're talking. You're jotting. You're journaling. You're noting. Okay? You're typing. But you're not writing. Because the real writing comes when you're sitting down and you're rewriting it. Sometimes from scratch. Like I, 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 you know, I, I think I related this to somebody, but I probably didn't tell the, the full story. I had, um, I had a short essay. I mean, you can consider it like a micro essay now because of, of some of the terms they've used. But back when I wrote it, it, you know, it wasn't a micro essay. It was just an essay that happened to be really short. All right, and it was called "What We Learned." All right, it, it's it's a principal piece of, of some of my philosophy and and some of the uh, other writings I've had. It just happens to be short, and. I got published, but it didn't get published until I had the 27th revision of it. Now, I'm not suggesting you guys all do this and that somehow that's the formula. It's too damn long, okay? I did that because I just kept feeling that it wasn't saying everything I wanted to say. So I kept going back at it, kept going back at it. Um, If anyone has word 
if you go inside the properties and you hit that, you can actually see how many versions that you've saved. It'll actually tell you. So you'll literally have a record just inside that, that file of how many versions that there is. And that was 27. And I'm not surprised because this thing wasn't even, wasn't even 600 words. But I kept moving things around it just until I got it. And once I got it right, I mean, it published right away. I mean, hell, it ought to at, at that matter, I, I would think. But you don't really know. So writing is rewriting and nothing less than that. Okay? Remember, my rule about managing things or management in general. You have to manage by the standard things that are happening. You cannot manage by exception. So... You know, you, if you want to take note to those stories that people tell you all the time, man, hell what Mark says. I wrote something one time in about an hour. Uh, other than a couple minute changes, uh, I was able to put it out there, did great, and, uh, and I'm happy with it. Yeah, you're going to have those sometimes. They're not a lot, but you will. And even the minute changes they talk to you about, that's really rewriting. They just don't want to call it that because they, they consider rewriting that you're doing it from scratch. And when I'm saying rewriting, I mean rewriting. It doesn't mean you have to do anything from scratch. It could be a couple just word changes, especially in a poem, you know. Or it could be you're doing half the thing over again. You, you, it's really up to what, what's necessary at the time and where you're at on your initial writing. Sometimes you're more on the mark than not. But more times than not, you have to rewrite stuff. You're going to find that the bulk of the time, that's what you're doing. There's no way around it because you're not going to hit the ball out of the park Every time you swing that bat, okay? It's just that simple. Think about it. Don't look at writing as anything different than anything else in life because it's not really, folks. It has the same principles involved in it, okay? All right? If you're a quarterback, you're not going to get a touchdown every damn time you throw the ball. If you're at a bat, you're not going to be able to hit the home run every time you're at bat. If you're a pitcher, you're not going to strike out every one of those people, Okay? If you're a hockey player, you're not scoring on the goalie every time you happen to get near him. If you look at the averages of stuff, it's very small. So if these people who happen to be professionals practicing and doing all this stuff all day long, remember, their practicing is no different than our rewriting. It's the same concept to try to get better at something. Okay? If that's really small, if somebody in baseball is batting a 365 and that's considered wonderful, think about that. Think about that for a moment. That means that every damn time they come out the bat, there's like a 3.65% a, a chance out of 10 times that they're going to hit anything at all. That's what that means. A third of the time. And that's still considered good. So it, it, it tells you right there how much necessary things are and how oftentimes you're not going to hit any kind of mark. If that's all in life, we've seen it in sports and we see it in life in general, why do we think it's any different in writing. Why would that be any different? Huh? You some kind of genius? You got an IQ bigger than Einstein? Uh, no, you don't. None of us do. So <laughs> let's just be fair to ourselves and be realistic. Part of work ethic is about that. In fact, you don't have to force yourself to do more writing or force yourself to rewrite if you just acknowledge some of the expectations of what's out there to acknowledge the certain logistical rules that are out there, certain logical conclusions you're going to come to, basic statistics, the things that I outlined to you right now. If you take those to heart, you're not going to have a problem doing any of this stuff because you understand that it's necessary. When things are necessary, really easy to do versus, oh, I got to rewrite. Because when you have those kind of attitudes, you're going to be more willing than not to shove junk out there and then wonder why people are rejecting it. Or one, sometimes you might get an editor that comes out of the blue and actually says something. Probably going to be negative, though. Remember I tell you, most of the time they don't say much of anything at all? Well, only time they seem to say really anything important or useful is when it's something really negative or something really positive. So if they're coming out of their shell or their cave or whatever the hell they, they actually stay at and say something, the chances are it's not going to be very kind. You know? When you have somebody tell you, and we've, I've had this in the past myself. That's why I've learned all of this. And I don't have this happen anymore for decades now, okay? But it's happened early on when I started. Hey, man, this was going somewhere until line this and that. Or 
Yo, man, you need to re revisit this thing because I think you're in the right direction, but it needs more work. When people are saying stuff like this, don't get me wrong, it is constructive criticism, which you're not going to get too often, but it's something they shouldn't have to say in the first place, okay? And they say that after your fifth rewrite, you might want to look at that and wonder, uh, how fair is that or not? You know, they're saying that in your first draft you sent somebody, you deserve to hear that. But they shouldn't have to say that in the first place. You shouldn't make somebody go out that way, okay? Because that's not some great compliment, all right? It, it's, really, it's really a slight against you. And you shouldn't let that happen. So do not be so impatient. This is the problem with too much writing today. Not just in the drafts of summing out. And we're going to have an episode completely on this about the vanity publishing. The, the huge the huge factor in that whole vanity publishing. And that's places that, that you pay and, and they publish you. Is the writer's impatience. Okay? I don't care about these stereotypes about, well, those are only for writers are not really good writers. So they just do this because that's the only one they're going to get published. You're going to find that's more of a fallacy. I've seen too many writings already that came from that industry that are actually good writers and good writing. And I'm like, why the hell are they destroying themselves doing this? Because I'm not really happy with the practice at all. I, I, I've gotten more and more to have to turn down writers that they get involved in this too much. Because they're not, they're not helping themselves. you know. And I don't like to promote these places. you know. Scooby-Doo Publishing and here's the link. I don't want to promote somebody that's already robbed them. To somebody else that could do this. I don't want another writer having to jump on board with that kind of junk. And more importantly, I don't want to be responsible for that. I just don't. I'm just so against it. It's just wrong and it's unethical. So I have to tell sometimes writers in private, listen, you know, you want to, you, you want to, when I'm publishing my magazine, this is probably not a good idea to put up this book in this link because I'm not going to promote it. I'm just against it. You got some other thing that's not a, a vanity place, put it up there. If this is a problem for you to not to not mention this, I understand. I, I guess you're not getting published with me then. Have a good day. I know it might sound a little unique. Some people might even sound a little unfair. Mark, you're not really judging the writing. You're judging the circumstance. Yeah, you're right. I am. But some circumstances have to be done that way. I'm not going to put a neo-Nazi poem up there because I'm against those sort of beliefs and I'm against anybody else that's going to promote those. So I, I find this in the same in the same ilk. Something that hurts people and that's damaging. So why would I want to promote that on any peripheral level? So, and I'm already giving them a fair opportunity. Don't mention it in your bio. And if your writing is good, I'll, I'll publish that. Go promote that on your own. Don't ask me to do it for you. Or in conjunction with you. That's all. I'm okay with that. But I happen to start to do that more and more. Because I'm, I'm just tired of that kind of evil industry doing bad things. But I'm telling you folks... The vanity publishing issue is no different than the, the, the weight loss industry. It, it, it relies on people's gullibility and impatience and, 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 quite frankly, a downright laziness. That's what it relies on. That's why it does so well. Because if people would sure up from that stuff, those industries would eventually vanish. They wouldn't have the kind of power that they do. They wouldn't be out there as much. The reason they're out there is because, guess what? There's a, there's a, there's a hole out there. It's a hole out there full of impatience and fear and, and, and just uh, ignorance. And, it, and it's filled by these people who are just going to sell you a dream. Literally sell you the dream. Okay? But I'm telling you, they're not selling you anything but garbage. There's no dream. There's this writing legitimately to get published out there and there's not. There's really nothing in between. So impatience, a real big factor in why people don't exercise all the work ethic that they need to to get the work done. And I, I find it damages more writers than anything else, okay? I've seen writing that wasn't as good as it could be, that I thought they needed more practice in. And, and, and I've seen that. I won't publish it. I'll make comment. But it didn't seem to me from reading it that this was just their first draft. I could see that they were working on it. You could see it. They just needed more work. They need a little more time sometimes. And you need to give that kind of encouragement. And, and you need to keep working on it and not give up. And I've seen other writers that are really good writers just giving me crap. Hey, Mark, I got like 29 credits. Oh, that's cool. Um, you're not going to get number 30 from me because this is crap. Okay? So you need to go back to the drawing board over here on this thing. All right? 
You got like 10 lines in this poem and, and, and four of them are in question and at least six of them are not so great. So I'm not even sure if this is the first draft. Okay. And I've had fiction the same way. You know, start off super great and then in the middle it's like falling asleep somewhere and then it has a snappy ending. I'm like, what the hell is that? Maybe you can get away with that in a novel, but you're not going to get that with a short fiction piece. If it's not going to be good and, and consistent and interesting from the beginning to the end, I'm not publishing it. It doesn't make any sense. How do you capture somebody's attention? How do you keep their attention? Remember that, folks. That's what you need to be doing over here. That's why impatience is so bad. Not only does it hurt your writing, it hurts the reader. God forbid someone does publish that. You know? You're not impressing the reader with your name out there. Your name's on this thing that's not so great. I don't know why you want to be proud about that. Even if you got a credit out of it, you got to be worried about that. And it doesn't help that magazine either. That's why magazines should be a lot more careful. Because every time they put out something like that, they're putting their name out there. This is what we're about. Half-ass stuff. Because that's what, that's what people are going to get. Then the next writer they published, you know, who did everything right, you know, the reader has to look at them now with, with, with a closer eye because they just got fooled or they just got betrayed or they just got tricked from the other craft they just read. That's how this all works. It, it hurts all kinds of things. It hurts you, hurts the writing, hurts the reader, hurts the journalist publishing you. So that's why on all those fronts and more, put the work in. Now, the last step over here is it might not seem so defined, but I'm going to make it defined, okay? Maturity. Now, I'm not talking about maturity is that you need to be like 55 years old and had a career already, and now you just started doing this five years ago, and, you know, you have a lot of life maturity. That's all great. I'm just talking about the maturity of having a better understanding about how the world operates, how you operate. You need to have a good sense of, of, of who you are, or at least getting in that direction. I'm convinced more and more from what I've written and, and with other people that have written that the less honest you are with yourself, the, the less you're really going to get the kind of material you should get out of yourself. You're not really, you're not, you're not really mining all that you can mine, you know, out of that, out of that shaft. You know, it's like having a, a, a mine that you know there's gold in, but you're only pulling out maybe ten percent of it because you just don't want to go deeper. I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm happy with this. That's great. But writers who want to go the distance, they want to stay around. They want to keep getting better. They want to do things that are going to inform and then are going to pull people in, in a certain direction, maybe even provoke them at times to whatever you know reaction, but provoke. You got to keep on top of things. And the best way to do that is, is learning to be more candid with yourself so that you can be more candid to your paper and then ultimately to your to your audience. I'm not suggesting that every damn secret you have on your lifetime needs to be on the paper. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm not suggesting you need to be some confessional poet over here and, you know, wine and roses and stuff. I'm just simply saying that you can't write artificial on a regular basis and expect that someone's going to be impressed with that. They already see too much of that. So it's it, it really is... I think uh, incredibly important for you to step up because by you stepping up, you're becoming more of who you're supposed to be and therefore a better writer. They're going to see and read things that they didn't before. That's going to make you stand out. Part of, uh, of being a writer is not just the craft of being good at writing. It's also about what you're saying, what you're imparting to that reader. You know, if they're hearing another poem or another short story or Another essay about some disease that nobody can pronounce, that nobody really cares about, but, you know, your, your seventh grandmother on your father's side got that or something, and, and it depressed you and hurt your grades in college. You know, I'm sorry, but I, I think we've heard that already, okay? And quite frankly, nobody cares anymore. Are you bringing something new to the table? And you want to bring something new to the table? It doesn't necessarily have to be some super new idea. It could just be yourself bringing yourself honestly to the table. You haven't seen that before. No, because you haven't done that before. Yourself is different than the next person. If you just can do it. 
That's all you have to do. And I find for a lot of writers, that kind of maturity seems to escape a lot of them. They want to write, you know, in code. They want to write around things. Oh, they want to write, you know, this happened to my friend. Oh, my favorite, my favorite defense, which, by the way, I, I ridicule privately to people all the time because I just don't find it acceptable. Well, you know, you shouldn't read into this stuff because, you know, it's just writing and it's not really about me. Come on now. If that's the approach you're going to have, don't waste my time. Don't waste the show's time. Don't waste the journal's time. Don't waste the editor's time, even on the editors that are not on your side. Don't even waste their time, okay? Because you're not interested in writing then, okay? This is just some, some hobby and, you know, go somewhere else in the corner and go store that in, in a shed somewhere. Maybe maybe we'll find it 3,000 years from now, okay? But don't waste anybody's time with that kind of nonsense, all right? If you know anything about the world, if you know anything about people, if you know anything about writing, okay, more times than not, what you're writing on there has to do with you, what you feel, what you think, what you believe you know, what you might actually know, okay? You're not going to get a whole lot of third-person stuff over there. You're not going to get a lot of art pieces that are just about nature or just about an art piece or just about this subject or that. You're not going to get too many of those. I mean, they're out there in haiku. They're out there in some things. But even then, you can have an idea of what the person is trying to think about and what they're trying to say. But more times than not, most writing has to do with a very first-person feeling. So if you are too afraid to bring this out there, well, then I only can suggest one thing. Don't do that then. Go write about something else then. If you don't want to write about yourself then try to find something else you could write about that's going to be interesting and unique and that, that separates you if you really want to be that private. But I'm, I tell you right now, and I tell writers this all the time, sometimes they get mad, sometimes they take it to heart, sometimes they don't care, okay? But if you want to be a private person, join the post office. They'll put you in one of those little rooms over there where you can sort out some mail, Okay? And, and then you clock out and, and then you go home and watch some TV, okay? Because you're going to have a nice, private, boring life, you know, with the same same pay scale and, you know, hoping to God no one snaps one day with a gun in there and, and kills you all, all right? Because that's, that's pretty much what you're going to be dealing with. There you go. That's some nice privacy right there, all right? You could work at Burger King, too, and, and just be in the back flipping hamburgers. No one's ever going to see you or, or know you because, you know, you're in the back. Even the customers won't know, Okay? And other than yelling out your first name now and then, I mean, everybody around you don't really know you either. You're just a burger person. There you go. You get some privacy that way too. But if you go into writing, you're going to risk learning things about yourself. And you're going to risk transmitting some of those things into your writing. And you're going to risk that some readers are going to catch on to that. Maybe it's going to help inform them. Maybe it's going to make them jubilant that, oh my God, somebody else shares this idea as well. Maybe it's going to be like, oh Lord, he's going there. Whatever. But that's going to happen. And it's one of the risks of writing. Not just the risk of uh, uh, how hard it can be at times or the risk that you're going to get published or not. Just the risk of that you're going to lose some of your privacy. Hey, that, that's the way it is. Don't be a writer then if that's one of your big fears or that's one of your big hang-ups. Go do something else then. All right? Figure out how to paint or, you know, go grab a hammer or a chisel or something or... Make some metal art out of junk that you get cheaply at the at the junkyard. Maybe you don't have to worry about privacy then. Yeah, my name is Jim. This is a, a, a robot dude that I made. And give me $200 for it and I'll go back to my house. Maybe you could do that then. Okay? There's nothing wrong with any of this, by the way. But please don't, none of this defensive nonsense about this is not about my life. This is not about my marriage. This is not about uh, my feelings about people. You know? My favorite one, when people write me something that borders on bigotry. Well, I don't really feel that way. Uh, maybe it's just my choice of words. You're a writer. What the hell is that to tell me, your choice of words? That's the whole damn point of writing. It's, you're supposed to have the choice of words so you can convey what you're saying. If you don't want to sound like a bigot, I don't know. How about you write it better so you won't sound like a bigot? Because guess what? To me, it sounds bigger than it. You're not getting published here. And now I'm wondering about what kind of person you are. Here you go. Maybe you're right. Maybe privacy and, and losing it is not a good thing. Fine with me. But I'm explaining to you right now, maturity is about that. 
learning yourself, learning something about your audience. Maybe you can learn a little bit about the journal you're sending to now and then. It's not it's not a perfect science or not. Sometimes you can't. You got to risk it. Well, maybe it just works out. But I find that we have too many writers here. They have they have too many hangups. They have too many I think mature issues. Okay. You don't have to write a poem about a subject you feel really think important. Let's say depression, and I don't mean being depressed because you got rejected. I mean the real clinical definition of depression. And, and then give me a cover letter. Hey, I'm a depressed person, and I hope you consider that when you look at the poem. Uh, thank you for telling me that, but no, I don't consider that because I'm going to treat you the same way I treat all writers. I don't care what you are and what you have and what's going on, okay? Whether you're in a wheelchair or not, whether you're depressed or not, whether you're this color or that country or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all about the writing. That's what we're writers for, okay? And we want when we start wanting to add something to that, then you know, we're the black writer, we're the wheelchair writer, we're the blind writer, we're the writer from Afghanistan. I mean, we're just writers. That's all we have to be. If you want to imbue certain other things in that poem, make it artistic. Make it something that's going to count. Make it something interesting. Maybe something informative. I had a writer one time write me something about how it aggravated him that every time he went to the supermarket, the people that were in the uh, handicapped spots, because you want to park close and they have it set up that way, and he has a right to do so. He's got the placard, you know, he's he, he, he needs that. Uh, that it was just people who, 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 who was a handicapped, you know? And he literally got one day so mad, he went to the manager, he said, I want you to make an announcement. I want these SOBs. That's right, I could say that on the show because, you know, you know what it means, but it's not a real curse. So I want these SOBs. Uh, to get the hell out of these parking spots that you go in before I call the cops on you. Because I'm just, this is unacceptable. I shouldn't have to be parking in the back over here and, and wheel my butt over here. That was the whole point of this in the first place. And he's right. And he was a veteran to boot. So, you know, I'm totally with him on all of this. You know, and he wrote an artistic, interesting poem about that. And uh, he told me he actually did that and it was successful. And um, he said that, Occasionally, you know, he got some dummy now and then over there, but most part, it, it seemed to have worked. He, he had the spot that he needed to have. You know, he he told me the same thing. Hey, there's only two spots there. If both of them are filled with handicapped people, I got to live with that. I guess I didn't get here in time. He's a responsible man. God bless him. But you know, you got somebody there that not supposed to be there. They are taking up my spot, <laughs> and he's right. He's right. But I don't want to hear that kind of stuff when someone sends writing. To me, that's not a, that's not a sign of maturity. That's just a sign of you trying to give some excuse so that you can get a point on getting published. And no one's going to do that for you. And if someone does that for you, well, you ought, you ought to reconsider, as far as I'm concerned, because that that's not being published. You should be published because your work is good, not a sympathy, not an equality, not a, any of that sort of stuff. Good work. I publish it. That's what I do all the time. Don't care about the rest of that stuff. I just want to see a bio that has a couple of credits in there. Maybe you got something you want to promote, as long as it's not from some crazy vanity press, and we go from there. That's it. And that's what I do. Whether you're a beginning writer that does the basics, that's okay, and I'm happy with that to help you out, or you're somebody more advanced. But in the end, it's going to be good writing that I, that I can live with and that people are going to get something out of. That's it. That's what maturity is all about. Okay? And, of course... Even though it might seem like step number three, in the end, the people who are mature about things, they're, they're going to tend to have a basic idea of organization. They're going to tend to have some kind of, you know, structural work ethic that they put into place. Now, remember, folks, uh, especially on the on work ethic, it's not really about how many words you typed. Not that Stephen King nonsense that he put out there, because that's what he does, but it doesn't work for most people. 1,500 words a day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and the end of the week, you got 10,000 words you can't use. It's about being smart. Lots of times, folks, organization, work ethic, and even maturity all together have to work in concert because we have busy lives and we have busy schedules. If writing is still important to us, if writing is still a priority, if writing is the goal to get something out there, whether it's that week or that month or whatever, well, guess what? We have to make up the time that we have allotted the best we can. So we need all these things. We need to be organized. We need to have the work ethic to rewrite stuff. We need to have the maturity to not put something nonsensical out there and then wonder why it's being sent back. 
because we might only have an hour or two. And I don't mean necessarily in a day. I know some people that, you know, they get a couple hours every couple of days, maybe. to put the, So they, they can't afford to sit there lollygagging around. Sending cover letters about, you know, please consider this. I'm, I'm a working mom and and I only have so much time. And you say stuff like this, it's it's just a, it's a, to me, it's a red flag that there are going to be problems when I'm reading here. Okay, so don't make excuses, okay? It's supposed to be hard, okay, folks? It's not supposed to be easy. I don't mean just life in general. I mean writing. It's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy. You have to do all these things just to get into alignment to get that little time you have available to get something down out there. And you hope it's good enough by rewriting it a few times to send it out there. That's all you can expect in the end. That Sometimes that's all you can do, and that's fine. I, unlike other editors, are willing to meet people more than halfway. If somebody gives me something that I still think needs some work on, I tell them to go work on it. I'll point out a few things. But when I tell them this, I'm not shoving them off into the great unknown and I never hear from them again or I don't care to hear from them again. I'm doing this with the belief that if they can work on this a little bit more, you know, it might be to where I need to be able to, to publish it then. More times than not, people are doing that and it comes back to me and I'm happy and, and I move forward with it. I wonder about the people that don't. Did they never get to it? Did they say to hell with it? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm just going to go blindly send this out to some other place. Maybe so. They lose that opportunity, I guess. What can I tell you? I mean, because I'm sincere and I'm, and I'm serious about what I'm saying. If I'm giving you the time to do something like that, it's because I think it's worthwhile. Not because it's just fun to say to make you feel good. My job as the editor is not to make you feel good or to make you feel bad. I'm not here to make you feel anything. That's not my job. Your job as a writer is to make me feel something. <laughs> my job as the editor is not to make you feel anything. I'm just telling you what I'm catching from this. This isn't working for me. This is out of place. I'm not sure about this. Um, wh- why Why is there 97 names on this email? The email has this name. The bio has that name. The poem has this name. I mean, what the hell? I'm not a detective over here. I'm an editor. Those are the things I have to encounter. So it's not about motion or feeling. It's just all about straightforward. Are you going to give me something that's presentable, that you worked on, that, that has some merit, that has some spirit, that has some, some logic, that has some insight, something that's fresh enough. It doesn't have to always be new. You could write a variation on the theme all day long, and if it has a different slant to it, I want to see it. It could be interesting. It could be something that in itself is kind of new. That's what you have to do. That's your job as a writer. And those are the ingredients to make a writer, folks. Those three things right there. Organization, work ethic, maturity. Now, next month and and the month after, I'm going to have some other shows where we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the mechanics of these sort of things. And by doing that, what we're going to be uh, talking about is things like persistence and more about patience and even about what, what talent could possibly be. Uh, because a lot of folks think that, you know, um, either you have talent or you don't. That's not really true, okay? Yes, there are people that are simply born with talents. I meet them all the time. But don't be too envious of people like that, because unfortunately, the ones that are, have the inborn talent, they tend to be the hardest to deal with and the hardest on themselves, because they either tend to be very self-destructive, very arrogant, or just very blind to too many things because lots of things come natural to them, but then they kind of suck on rewriting or they kind of suck on knowing what direction should go to. So things will sound good, but the damn thing doesn't make any sense in the end. Sometimes it's better to work at your own way to become talented and, and do it from scratch. If you care and, and you're passionate enough, you can do that and you create your own talent. You don't have to be born with something. Okay. So, don't be too fooled by that. And I think you'd be surprised when you hear a lot of the examples on that talent part of the show I'm going to have in the near future here. But folks, just keep this in mind, okay? As much as writer, writing is work, and, and it is, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have its own reward. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. It doesn't mean that you know, you, you're doomed to failure because none of those are really the truth. It just means that like anything else that's worthwhile in life you know, it, it takes a little bit more than, you know, just doing your, your half-ass best. You have to do something beyond that because you have other people out there that ultimately you're competing with 
And I don't mean poem against poem or essay against essay. I mean just in terms of the attention of that editor who maybe is only making 30 or 40 selections or something. You know, if you want to be in that mix, you got to stand out. And you can't stand out if you're missing things because you're not organized. You can't stand out if you're not willing to put the work in. And you can't stand out if you don't have a more mature outlook on life, on yourself, and what you expect other people to get from your work. You have all those three, you have a better chance of being out there. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. Strength to be human. This is Mark Antony Rossi. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>